Welcome to episode number three of the Ask the Church Collective podcast. In this episode, I have a question that I will read um, with uh, Chris Bellamy, Adam Dohanik, and Miles Nelson, some of our core uh, team members at the Church Collective. If you have a question, be sure to give us a call at 209-326-0933 and leave us a message. We'll use the audio on an upcoming episode. And uh, as always, head over to thechurchcollective.com and connect with us. So I'm going to jump straight into the question with the Ask the Collective podcast episode number three. We got this uh, question from Blake Cooper, and he says, I have been struggling with the idea of song choices for this new church plant. I'm not sure a lot of people would know the common worship songs that we do in churches today. Uh, What's some advice on song choices that you would recommend? I thought of blending some older hymns and a newer style with some more common worship songs that you would hear on a radio station. Uh, what have you found works best in a new situation like this? I don't have a whole lot of musicians either, so I'm trying to find songs that would be easily done uh, with keys and acoustic. So, that, Blake, here we go. Anyone want to start off here? You know, the, the, for me, the cool I would, thing, Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Chris. Yeah, you know, um, this is Adam, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I was able to be part of a church plant a couple years ago, and one of the really cool things about a church plant is you have the ability to forge a new identity that you don't with um, an established church. So uh, if you're looking for songs that, you know, people will know, there's a sense in which people are going to get to know them as you do them. And you can build the culture that God's leading you to uh, in a more uh, direct way uh, than if you're taking over as the worship leader in an established church. So I think I think in that sense, it's it's a question of where God's leading you overall, and then you figure it out as you start to put it together. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, for me, what I would do is, you know, you have to get to know the congregation. Um, just start talking to them, finding out what kind of music do they listen to, what kind of music do they like, what styles do they like, you know, what's the the average age Um and then from there, just start building, uh, like Adam was talking about. And um, I think it's key to be to be um, kind of open to the Holy Spirit, letting you know, like, is is a certain song connecting with the congregation or not? You know, for my church, um, I'll introduce a song over a one month period. Um, I'll do it every week for for one month, and by the end of that month, I'll know you know, pretty well did, did the congregation connect to that song, you know, and if, if they didn't connect to that song, then I, I just, I just let it go, you know, no matter if I liked it or not, you know, but, um, if, if by the, the fourth week they really connected with that song, then that's something that I can add to, to our repertoire, you know, and, and just start building your church's songbook or, you know, churches quote unquote, you know, yeah, Chris, how would you say that you know whether a song is connecting or not? Um, I mean, a simple gauge would just be how many people are participating on that song. You know, is the, is the congregation really singing out? Um, I try to always give our church, like, some time during a service, a chance to sing out um, by kind of stripping away all of the um, the music, you know. And so if you take away all the music and just let the church sing and they're really sing, they can kind of just take over the song on their own. 
I feel like they really know that song, you know, and they really connected with that song. But, you know, if you just kind of drop out and like let them go and then they're just still kind of just staring at you, I kind of get the message like, ah, we don't really, we're not really into this song, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, with the the question asking about, you know, thinking about doing hymns and kind of doing a blended sort of style, I think that works in certain congregations and you're just going to have to feel out your people. Um, That's what we do here at our church. Um, We have, you know, eight-year-olds and 80-year-olds in the same service. So we do a pretty blended thing. But I think, uh, I mean, I would say you can't go wrong with hymns. Uh, I think it's just what you do with it. So uh, stylistically speaking, I mean, if you've got a younger crowd or, you know, significant part of your congregation that's younger uh, and they're maybe looking for more, uh, uh, not necessarily like rock and roll, but maybe just a little bit more contemporary sound, uh, you can have fun with it. Do a hymn, find some cool versions of hymns. There's a lot of them out there, a lot of updated stuff that you can find. Um, and, uh, but I think lyrically, uh, a lot of people who have grown up in church can identify with hymns and they're just easier to sing. Um, the melody just repeats itself over and over and it's easier for people who didn't grow up singing hymns to catch onto it. And it's nice for the older people who have been around church to have a hymn that they can latch onto or something they've known from their, um, their childhood growing up. So, as far as the speaking to that part of the question with the hymns, I think that's a good direction to go. I just wouldn't get stuck there as your default mode. You do, like Chris was saying, you do want to be able to try to stretch your congregation and introduce a new song and teach it to them. You know, it's going to take some time. Like you said, maybe get you know, give it a month, give it um, you know, four four Sundays, and if they're just not getting it, not latching onto the song, you know, dump it and move on to something else. But uh, I would, I would. I mean, I like the blended approach. Like I said, it works differently in different congregations, but you may just need to try it. Uh, try it out. Try blended. If that's not working for you, maybe try going more traditional. If that's not working, try going more contemporary. You're just going to have to kind of search it out. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, maybe even just polling people from the congregation. What kind of songs would you guys like to sing here at this new church plant? Uh, what songs do you identify with a lot? And just kind of feel out the congregation in that way as well. That's good. I think you make a really good point. Um, just kind of seeing what what works for the church. I, I know for all of us, like we watch the Hillsong YouTube videos and we see all these different worship services, and we want to be uh, like them. We, and pretty much every church wants to try to emulate that. Most worship leaders try to figure out how can I be that. And I think there, there's a lot of value in understanding that every church. Uh, really has to find their own voice. And you as the worship leader there don't need to get yourself so caught up in whether or not there's a right or a wrong way to do it because ultimately you're just you're going to ferret out what's going to be best for your church. So I just encourage you in that and try try songs like Chris was saying for a month, like bring one out and you'll you'll discover. I mean, sometimes I'll introduce one one week and I'll know that week that that's pretty much not going to work. And often I'll bring it back a couple weeks later just to double check that it wasn't just like a a weird morning or whatever, but by and large, you can tell pretty much right out the gate and, you know, work them up and help the congregation get to know them and see if they're resonating with it. Yeah, I really resonated with what Chris said that um, I don't think I can know whether a song connects on Sunday. Um, and I don't do, what I do is I do two in a row, take one week off and then come back on the fourth week to mm. see if it's, if it's resonated enough for them to just pick up on it like it's one we've been doing for 10 years. Uh, but I don't think we can off one Sunday or even two Sundays, kind of have an idea. Uh, it takes a little bit of time for, for that to, to sort itself out. 
That's fair. My church can, yeah, we know, we know right out the gate, at least for me. <laughs> well, we're, we're not always blessed. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if it's a good thing that people like openly reject a song in the first week or not. Yeah. <laughs> I think for um, the part about the, um, you know, gaining musicians and building a team, mm. I think it's important to not be in a hurry to build a huge team. And, you know, kind of recognize that all you really need is, you know, just an acoustic guitar and one singer to, to actually, you know, have worship um, and, and yeah. just start growing, you know, one by one, you know, maybe go to two singers and an acoustic guitar, you know, maybe add some pads after that. But, you know, I, I know people that that are just they come to me and they're, they're like, uh, we want to grow our team. How can you know they want to? They want to have like an insta team in in a month, you know. And I'm like, it's that's gonna, that's going to take years, you know, five years of really growing people, you know, grooming people, making sure you've got people that fit the team. Um, but you don't you don't have to have drums for worship. You don't have to have a million electric guitars for worship. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you just have a, a piano and a, and a singer you know, you could still have worship. So, um, I, a lot of times I tell people the last thing you should add is a drummer, you know, huh. it's, it's, it's a, you know, a, a good drummer that's not necessarily good technically, but, you know, spiritually and, and knows where the, where the Holy Spirit's going and, and fits in can really make or break, you know, the worship. Um, so just don't be in a rush to, to, to have like, you know, what you see with Hillsong or Elevation or Bethel, you know? Yeah, I was, uh, I totally agree, uh, with what Chris is saying there for sure. I'm, I'm a youth pastor and, uh, we've got our Sunday morning and Wednesday night routine and we've got our students up there and some staff people. Um, and we've kind of had to get out of the mode where we think that what the students want is like this rock and roll. It's always loud. It's always really good. It's a full band every single week. Uh, we've had to get out of that mode. Um, one, because the students weren't really responding, um, to that. Uh, I think partly because we weren't pulling it off very well, um, as far as the talent goes. Um, but, being able to get out of that mode. And like Chris was saying, like you just, sometimes you just need an acoustic guitar and, you know, one vocalist. So if you're starting there, don't be in a rush to have, you know, the two synthesizers and the, you know, two electric guitars and the bass and the drums and the whole thing. I mean, that's, that's great if you have that and that's an awesome place to get to. Uh, but don't be in a rush to get there. Like he said, it's easy to compare yourself uh, to these other churches. You know, you're starting a new church, you're planting something and you, you've got this awesome vision that, uh, that God's given you for your church. And it's easy to look at those um, worship videos like, you know, Hillsong, Elevation, um, Bethel, like he was saying, you know, Vertical Church Band, all those things. And you're like, oh, that's so awesome. I want to get there. But God really, in your early stages, maybe just wants you to simplify and just worship him and not worry about growing this massive team and making it sound like those other guys who have been doing it for years and, and just focusing on, good song selection, like we've been talking about, and also growing a team. And I think Chris pointed this out really well, that's more spiritually mature even than they are talented, I think is a huge key. You can grab people that are great players and can rip on their instrument, uh, but if they're not going to be a team player and they're not understanding what you're trying to do on a spiritual level, they're not really going to be that big of a help to the worship band as a whole. So 
you know, do your homework on the people that are wanting to join the team and know that it's okay to be simple and you don't have to have the whole show going on right out the gate. Yeah, I was thinking about that. If, if, if the guys who do Ren Collective, you know, if they had <laughs> just tried to emulate what was going on at Hillsong, we, right. we'd, be, we'd be less. We wouldn't, as a church overall, the music of the church wouldn't be as good and wouldn't no. be as diverse. And I think there's something to that where you say, I can look at what God's doing at Bethel or at uh, Elevation Church or at Hillsong, but what does God want at my church? And, mm-hmm. and maybe there's something that's very cool uh, for the, the part of the world that you're in um, that wouldn't, it just wouldn't happen if it wasn't your church or your area. And so I think, I think there's right. an element where you have to ask, what's God calling me to do? Um, and, and, and worship doesn't happen in a vacuum. The, uh, the music of the church is, is connected to, the teaching is connected to the discipleship. We're all, we're all connected. And so I, I would say that one thing that hasn't been talked about is, um, what is your leadership saying? Because if your leadership has a particular vision, I think it's, it's incumbent on us to grab hold of that um, and then figure out how that all works out, you know, within it. So, you know, the church, the church plan I was part of before uh, I came to the current church I'm at, um, the leadership's vision was actually pretty vague, but it, it just said, uh, they just said, make it good and keep it fresh. That, w- that was it. And so I, I took quality over quantity, like Chris was saying, I'd rather have good. And that means if I'm not going to put a bad drummer up there just to have a, a drummer. Um, and then fresh. So I, I looked for what was going on. I looked at, um, I actually looked at what the, the most popular radio stations in the County were. And, uh, I said, okay, people here listen to country music. So I, I started looking for old gospel songs and found mm-hmm. that that really resonated with people, but it does not resonate in California where I'm at now the same way. And so <laughs> I've switched that up, you know, and uh, so I, I think there's an element of, of grabbing hold of the vision overall for the whole church um, and to make the church's worship part of that. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about style, too, uh, Adam. As you were talking, I was thinking about uh, a band that I really got into for a while. It was um, from Sojourn Community Church out in Louisville, Kentucky. I, I don't know. They're not super well-known in the worship world. I mean, they definitely are, are known on some level. Um, it's a shame, by the way. Yeah, they're fantastic. And so what they've done, though, is they've created, I mean, they write their own music. They've created this um, style that very much speaks to the place that they're at geographically. So they're in Louisville, Kentucky. They're very rootsy, Americana, bluegrassy kind of worship stuff. And it's really good. And they just have, I mean, they're in like the zone over there as far as talent goes. And so they have some phenomenal players, which obviously helps. Uh, helps you get going, but I think what what they did is they sought out their the people in their congregation in the area, and they did their research and said what what kind of music do people like to listen to just in general? Like if you hop in your car on your commute to work, what CD are you popping in? What are you pulling up on your iTunes on your phone or Spotify or whatever? What kind of style are you looking for? Now let's take that style and let's create worship music that speaks stylistically to what people want to hear. So when you invite your friend to come to church to this new church plant, they're going like, hey, I like this music. I don't, I don't necessarily know what they're singing about yet. You know, maybe it's an unchurched person, but they go, this music really speaks to me because I like to listen to this. Now I'm going to pay attention to what the words are saying. And it even just helps the people who have grown up in church. It just is an instant connection point for them to go, wow, I really like this sound. I like this music. And it just opens them up to worship 
even more so than maybe they would if they just got a kind of a standard hymn or a Hillsong track or something that they like, but they're not necessarily latching onto on a personal level with the music right away. So do your homework. Like Adam was saying, grab some radio stations that are very popular in the area. It may not be your cup of tea. You may not like that music necessarily, but if it best serves your congregation, that's what you need to pay attention to. Yeah, because, I mean, Sojourn's great, but they wouldn't work at all where I'm at now, um, it, it, at least in large in large doses. It just wouldn't Right, fly, same, same with know? me. Same with me, yeah. So... I think also if you take take a, a song that may be speaking to you personally and then, you know, break it down to its bare minimum where you're just playing it with an acoustic guitar, just playing it at the piano, um, at that point, that song has no style really. And so mm-hmm. you, can, you can grow that into whatever style fits your church, you know, just because, um, you know... I don't know, uh, Elevation plays a song one certain way, that doesn't mean that you have to play it that way. You know, you could take it and make it, you know, more of a a, a chill piano ballad or something. You know, it doesn't have to be the style that the original artist made it. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's just a worship yeah. song. So if you break it down to its simplest and then decide where do you, where do you, how, what style would best, um, allow this song to minister to my congregation. And you, yeah, can, I think you that's, can build a whole repertoire like that, you know? For sure. I think that's another piece where uh, theology really comes in to the music. Like you're saying, Chris, when you strip it down, um, is like, can, does the song stand on its own without all the synth and all the drums and everything? And is the song still worth singing to your congregation? Because you can play, you know, Give Me Faith by Elevation, or you can play This I Believe or Relentless by Hillsong. You know, Relentless has got all the, like, arpeggiated synth and the, and the drums and stuff, and it sounds really cool. But we've done that song acoustic in our youth group and out at camps and stuff, and it's still relentless. It's still this I believe. It's still give me faith. It still has the lyrics, still has the um, the power in the song because of what you're singing about. So start there, like Chris said, grab an acoustic guitar, and then take it whatever direction you want. It doesn't have to be all synthy and loud. You know, you can take it maybe more of a uh, rootsy folk direction, or you can take it more of um, just kind of a stripped-down version of the the um, recorded track that you hear. But don't get stuck in, we have to reproduce what this band does just because this is how the recording sounds. Well, take take creative liberties there. Even the bands don't do that. Right. right. If you listen to uh, Hillsong's Zion record, and then they have, then they have a, a, a record that's like a, a live kind of living room session, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and when I heard that, there were songs that I had totally passed on on the Zion record that connected with me in, in those stripped-down arrangements that, that yep. the same players are playing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we get locked into the record. And, and like Chris was saying, if you can just find the core of the song, um, y- you'll, see, you'll see it in a whole different direction, I think, based mm-hmm. on where your church is going. Yeah. So that does speak a little bit, though, to knowing relationally knowing the players you have because uh, there are players on my team who could never pull off a, a certain song and, and, and it, it might be on the radio or, or a worship song from a church that really connects with you, but there's just no way that the, the bass player at my church is going to get that funky bass line. You know, it's yeah. not happening. 
yeah. uh, or, or, or something else, you know. So you have to know relationally who you have and what they can do. And you, you, it's good to stretch them. Mm-hmm. But, but stretching, there's a difference between being stretched and being ripped apart. And I think, uh, <laughs> I think you have to know, you have to know what is, what, what, how far you can stretch them. Yeah, we, we deal with that. Um, I experience that a lot with the youth ministry and really trying to put the responsibility of the, the music on the students. Um, you know, and growing leaders uh, take sacrifice. And sometimes it sounds terrible, but you're giving them a chance to do it. But, but with that, what we, we do, we'll do songs like I'm, I'm a huge uh, Citizens and Saints fan. These guys always make fun of me because I'm always talking about them. Uh, but we do um, Sweetness of Freedom. It's the first track on their self-titled album. Now, that thing is like punk rock, overdrive on the bass, like full bore. Like, it's pretty awesome. Now, we tried to do it like that one time, and it didn't work at all. So instead of completely tossing out the song because of the style not working, what we did is we said, okay, the students had really liked this song. The first, first time we let it, I'll back up, first time we let it, we did it very acoustic-based. Uh, we heard um, a cool version of it by somebody uh, else, so we did this cool acoustic version. Then we're like, now we're going to do the crazy loud version, and it didn't go over as well. So we backed off, and now we kind of do this, like, mellowed out, kind of folked up version a little bit of it, um, where it's got this cool kind of folk beat. And it's still the same lyrics, and the students love it, right? And we're thinking, okay, youth ministry, they're going to want the punk rock, the loud you know, indie rock worship stuff, but they didn't really like that. So we had to back off and say, okay, we can't really do this uh, stylistically because of the talent that we have, but we want to keep the song because of the lyrics. So don't just throw something out because it doesn't work. Uh, as a whole, stylistically, on the original recording, kind of coming back full circle to that idea. But be like Adam said, be aware of the talent you have. Don't try to stretch your players so far that they just get frustrated and end up not wanting to play anything you're putting in front of them because it's too difficult. Back off, but keep the song and do something else with it. Change up the style and have the freedom to take what someone else has created and do it in a way that works for your church. Yeah, I think also um, kind of to change the subject, practically speaking, you know, once you start getting your repertoire, um, the actual placement of a new song in your service can make a huge difference too. Like if you're introing a song, say you're introing a a new worship song, you don't want to put that as the last song in the set, you know, Mm -hmm. where you really have your congregation drawn in. And it's a real intimate moment, you know, you, you, because they don't know the song. So, like, for me, I always, I always intro a fast song as, like, an opener, you know, and kind of do that for a couple weeks. And so they, they're, they're, not, they're not really forced to kind of participate yet. They're kind of just gauging whether they like it. Um, and if it's a slow song, um, if your church does altar calls, you could, do, you could intro a slow song as an acoustic uh, altar call, you know, where, where people are kind of just meditating in the back and, and get them a chance to kind of absorb the song. And because it's looping, um, it, they can, they can learn it really quick. And then the next week when you go to put it in the actual worship set, it's kind of like they've subliminally learned it, you know, because (laughs) they, they just, they didn't really have a choice, but to kind of, you know, hear it broken down, stripped down and kind of get the lyrics. Um, but you never want to kind of force feed a brand new song to your congregation at, at one of those you know, key moments in the service because it, it will just kind of crash and burn. 
um, with, with where you're going. Um, and also, um, for, you know, kind of, if you're trying to say you have a pastor who wants to, to really, he wants a song and he wants it to sound exactly like the album. Um, you know, nowadays there's so many ways to thicken things up with, you know, multitracks.com or, you know, loops, loop community, or just pads in the background. There's ways to make it sound bigger, um, without having to have a million players. So, um, you know, even if you just had a singer and acoustic guitar player and you want to play, um, you know, a, a huge arrangement of Victor's crown or something, there's nothing wrong with using the multi-track for that. You know, if you, if your pastor really wants that song and he wants it the way it sounds on the album, it's it's you don't have to go hire, you know, a bunch of you know a full symphony to come in. You know, <laughs> there's just so many ways to do it now. Um, you know, with with small amounts of people um, to pull off things. Um, not saying that you have to do that. I kind of you know lean towards just kind of stripping it down. But if if that's what your pastor wants, he wants something huge. You don't have to have a million players, you know, nowadays with the technology that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Chris mentioned the pads. Uh, we, I mean, we use pads whether we have six people on stage or one person on stage. Um, and with, with having the youth, that kind of helps fill some of the space, you know, if somebody messes up or drops out for a second. Um, but if you're, you know, say it's week one of your church plant and it's just you and an acoustic guitar. I'd say, you know, throw in a pad. That's going to help fill space. It's going to help with song transitions. It's going to help with silence in between. And it's just going to add a nice, you know, ambience to the setting that you're in. And I I mean, it's a huge, huge tool that you can use as you're growing your team or as you're doing stripped down Sundays or whatever is to have those those pads going. It's going to help fill space. And um, like I said, kind of create that environment for you when you don't have a keys player to kind of lay down that thick pad in the background. Yeah, and so it's important to note, too, when we're saying use a pad, there's a whole, um, we're not saying like a pad player on a keyboard. There's actually right. a, a whole MP3 kind of thing you can play underneath. I'll link in the show notes to, uh, uh, we did an interview with um, Shaylin Palmer, who has mm-hmm. some pad loops that, that you can uh, play so under there. Yeah, so if you want to know more yeah. about that, just head over to the show notes, and you can Go down the rabbit trail over there and learn how to do it. But yeah, pad, <laughs> pad loops are fantastic. Um, they're a fantastic addition if you have a stripped down um, arrangement. If it's just you and a guitar, like I always, if it's just me and a guitar, I'll always have something going on underneath because it really fills that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and if you're unfamiliar with how to use it, all I do is it's on my iTunes on my iPhone, and I just hit play on whatever key we're in C, G, D, whatever. And you know, if you've got three or four songs in the same key, it's so easy just to hit it. It's a 20 minute loop. And you just go and start playing your song. So, yeah, like Ryan said, check out the show notes. It's it's so helpful to have that. Yeah, for sure. And and, and there's other ways to do it too. Because if you talk it through, um, a bass player, you know, if it's you, if it's an acoustic guitar and a bass player, and that's all you've got, the bass player can change up how they play uh, at certain points and be more like a lead line or mm-hmm. uh, a keyboard player. If you don't have a bass player, a keyboard player can be a, a bass player. So there's, right. there's different ways when you're talking through the arrangements, uh, to make it happen. I've, I've, you know, I've been in churches with very limited resources and, um, you, but, but you can talk about how to arrange the song so that a, a keyboard player becomes a bass player, a bass player becomes a, a lead guitarist for a, a bridge or something. Mm-hmm. So that's good. 
Yeah, it's funny that we were talking about that because yesterday um, my acoustic guitar player came in and he had had a new pedal board with two H9s on it from Eventide. <laughs> and I was like, what are you going to do with that? And um, he's like, well, when we do the altar call, I've, I've got it set up to do like a shimmer um, pad effect. And sure enough, you know, he was playing Lead Me to the Cross. It was just him and a singer. And he had the pads going on underneath it, you know, and it was tracking perfectly. You know, it sounded like a keyboard player was playing behind him. Um, and he had it, you know, he had it mixed down to a T. Um, and it really, it was, it was subtle. I bet you, you know, most of the people in the congregation wouldn't know the difference, but they just knew something sounded better, you mm. know. Um, yeah. So not that you have to go spend, you know, thousand dollars on two h9s but it was a cool it was pretty cool i was pretty shocked (laughs) but if you want to go for it yeah you know (laughs) yeah Uh, i think the the going back to um something you said earlier chris about force feeding in in songs so if because the question says you know the church the, the the congregation may not know um the congregation may not know certain songs um, medallies are really good for this kind of thing. Um, if, if they know an old hymn like Amazing Grace and you're doing it in, uh, uh, I don't know, the key of D, um, and then you can medley from Amazing Grace into uh, another song that's in key of D. Um, and the ones I usually go to are like in A or in G. So if you have like How Great Thou Art, medallies really well into um, The Stand or into uh, How Great Is Our God, which is... Uh, well-known song, but the, but the idea is the same that, um, I can, if I'm going to teach a new song, I can start the week before with a chorus and a bridge. And so that when I really come to teach the new song the next week, um, the people have a point to grab onto. They may not know the verses or the, or the second chorus, but they know the, the hook line. Um, and that helps people feel more comfortable as they enter in it. That's a real, it's a real easy, uh, easy workaround. If you've got an established group of songs, really well-known, um, and then I and I can work in a chorus or a bridge line the week before I teach the full song. Mm. That's a good idea. Also, what we do, um, or what I'll tend to do, is I'll hop onto our church's Facebook page and I'll kind of write a little thing. Hey, this is Pastor Ryan. I'll drop a YouTube video of like a new song that I know is coming, um, and that's done really well for me, at least for the technically savvy people uh, in our church. Not everybody's going to catch it that way, but. Um, a lot of the younger people, especially that are coming to your church, will see it that way and be able to kind of get the song in their head before they even show up to church. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good idea. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> it's all yours. Yeah, even if you just play it like, um, you know, the, the music that kind of plays in the background, mm-hmm. you know, you just start playing it for a couple weeks and, you know, it's another way to subliminally force it Right. Although, be really careful adding it to your pre-loop because I wish Fox was on here too because it just happened to us this last week we were introducing a new song and that new song was the last song of the playlist that we were playing just before we started that song for oh, the yeah. service and so <laughs> don't put it in that. the pre-service the day you're doing it no definitely <laughs> I have, I've definitely had choice words with my um, oh, sound man. tech of doing doing that I'm like are you kidding me I can, yeah, I but can the, see Fox flipping out about that that's funny the, yeah. the funny thing is that I know guys who think that's the best way to do it too so yeah even uh, just before the service oh yeah oh, oh yeah. interesting we got to get uh, them on this podcast <laughs> have yeah. a debate <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely like for instance don't have god be praised uh playing on your welcome video 
before the first song you're about to play is God Be Praised. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Especially when play it the first time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's off topic, but I think worth, worth mentioning. Um, I have found that um, making sure that your, your before and after music matches whatever is happening in the service is, is helpful. Uh, um, because if you have a, a sound guy that's popped on, um, you know, uh, an old Maranatha praise tape from the eighties and, and you're, you're definitely not doing that. Um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't mesh well. And so I, we've kind of become aware of that because we run multiple bands and, and, um, they all kind of have different flavors. And so we try to, we try not to have a real synth heavy, uh, Hillsong, um, you know, before and after music where, where the band's some kind of acoustic folksy sound. It just, you just want it to make sense. And I think that's part of what you're doing with a new church plant is you're just trying to get a sense of, of a culture in your church. Um, and you don't want to do things that even subliminally are, are uh, uh, discordant. Yeah, that's a whole podcast of itself. Yeah, seriously. I think with all of this stuff uh, that we're saying and the practical side of, of all of this, you know, with church planting and starting out with something fresh, um, I mean, this may, you know, seems like it should go without saying, but the biggest thing is just prayer. Like, you just got to be on your knees um, or standing up, whatever, uh, with God, um, just coming before Him, knowing that no matter how much you prepare, how much you do, it's not your, uh, you can't put the responsibility on yourself, right? God's going to be the one working through you. Uh, to reach the people that are in your congregation and don't beat yourself up when something goes wrong or you don't, you know, you don't have to sit there agonizing over song choices. Um, Just go with what you feel like you should do, present it to your congregation. God's going to work through however many people or however few people are on the stage or the gym floor or whatever your situation is. And just trust that God is working and is using you in that place to reach the people that he's brought to you to that, um, that building that morning. Sure. Church plan is hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think also as a, you know, as you progress and you get, as you get, um, kind of accustomed to your congregation, you get to know them after a couple years, you'll start being able to, to hear songs. You'll hear a new song and you'll be like, wow, my congregation would really latch on to that. And it's, that's a great place to get um, where you really know your congregation um, intimately. And as soon as you hear a song, it just kind of, it's like, man, not because you like the song, but because you know that's the kind of song that really speaks to your congregation. Um, and I think that's the goal is to get to where you can kind of, you know, be the ears of your congregation. And, and, and you're picking things not based on your preference and the songs that you listen to, but okay, man, this, this is, my congregation is going to love this song, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I think sometimes, you know, we pick things that we love. Uh, yeah, as a guitar player, you might love it because it's got the greatest lead line, or a synth player might love it because it's got, a, you know, an awesome synth part. Um, and it's not based on, you know, what's best for the congregation. And I think you just kind of have to push yourself aside and, um, and just almost it's a it's a it's a different entity you know it's 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 like a different person and you're kind of choosing on behalf of of all those people yeah it's like you know sacrificial leadership it's even dying to yourself in the 
worship selection of of songs. I remember when Ryan and I were talking with um, Toby Morell from Emory a while back, and he's a worship leader out at Seacoast and uh, in North Carolina. And I asked him, I said, "Do you ever lead? You know, being this, you know." kind of hardcore band guy do you ever lead songs that you don't like and he said oh yeah all the time i play stuff that i would never listen to on my own but i know that my congregation is going to respond to it and it's going to be a great um, song for them to enter into really worshiping and connecting with god it may not be my choice or my favorite song or something that i would necessarily would listen to but um, it's something that best serves the people. And that's that's your job as a worship leader is to serve the people that God's given you to take care of, whether or not you necessarily love the song. And so that's something that you have to um, be aware of too when you think through song selection is don't just pick a set that you think is going to be rocking or awesome because you really like it, but really think through uh, how is the congregation going to respond to this? Now, those may match up at times, uh, it, which is awesome when they do, but you just really got to think through that is, are they going to respond to this or am I just doing this because I want to play this song or it's got a cool lead riff or it's got this funky bass line or whatever, and are they going to catch on to this and respond to this or is it something that they enjoy singing already? Yeah, it's possible going, going back to the original question <clears throat> that, that maybe for right now in this season, the best thing for your church is to not sing songs that every, everybody else would know. Mm. That uh, if if your church, the, your congregation, knows songs that aren't really current or popular, but they know those songs and they'll worship with those songs, then start with those songs and, yeah. and go from because that's where that's what's going to serve that's them huge. in this moment. Um, Especially in a new church plant, you don't want somebody walking through the doors on week two and no one singing in the congregation because you're doing all new music that nobody knows. You want people walking in the doors when everybody's singing at the top of their lungs because they're really engaged and connected to the songs because they already know the songs. Not to say you don't introduce new songs. That happens over time. Like you, Chris was saying and Adam were saying earlier, they're kind of strategies with that. But I think Adam makes a really good point is just to kind of start out with stuff you know people are going to be able to latch on to immediately. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. As always, please head over to thechurchcollective.com and connect with us. And if you could, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It really helps us connect with more worship leaders and musicians over there. God bless you today.